Good morning, everybody. You know what I love about life? It's just so easy and stress-free. <laughs> There's never anything to worry about. It's not like there are issues that come up or like problems that need to be solved or like overwhelming things that suddenly <clears throat> interrupt your day or your week or your month or your life or anything like that. Never. And what I've really noticed is that it just keeps getting easier and easier and easier. And all the people said, amen. Oh. Life is hard. Life is stressful. It sometimes feels like there's like a burden that we carried around, right? We have a burden that we have, and I hate to bum you out, but it's not actually getting any easier, right? The Barna Group every year does this worldwide survey that they call the Global Emotions Report, where they survey things like, are people having more positive experiences or more negative experiences or what's their level of stress, things like that. And they just re re released their new report for this year, and let me just tell you, it's not pretty. The world is experiencing more negative experiences and fewer positive experiences. And over, overall, the world is experiencing more stress, less happiness, and is less well-rested. And that's the trend that they're seeing. Just in the United States alone, in this last year, we dropped 12 percentage points in people reporting whether or not they were well-rested. We are not a well-rested society. And we've been going through this summer the greatest hits of the Bible. We're kind of picking out the passages, some of them that we think are just like the most formative passages that followers of Jesus and the church have been looking to back again and again for centuries, going to these passages for encouragement and instruction. And these are kind of the passages that are so yeah, fundamental to our faith that we want to memorize them. We want to remember them so that they become like this wellspring in our souls that we could draw from whenever there's a need. Because there is a need sometimes, right? Yeah, life is not easy. But we know and trust that Jesus is with us, that he'll help us when we need help, and that he'll even give us rest when we need some rest. So our greatest hits passage for today comes from Matthew chapter 11. If you've got a Bible or a device, I would love for you to pull up Matthew chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 28. And Jesus here is talking not only to his disciples, but to the crowds all around him, which have all different people in them. Jubilee is going to be reading our passage this morning. Today's passage is Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, I'll give a little hand of Jubilee there. <clears throat> Thanks, Judy. 
What a beautiful invitation from Jesus this is. Are you weary? Are you burdened? Is life hard? Are you not feeling very well rested right now? Come to me, Jesus says, and I'll give you rest. I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. And what I ask from you is easy and light. Notice that this passage is a little bit poetic. It's got basically like two pairings of lines with the repetition of rest and yoke. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's obviously this contrast between this heavy, burdensome kind of thing that is, weir- uh, that is causing this weariness compared to something that's light and easy, an easy burden that results in rest. And there's also kind of this assumed contrast between the yoke that Jesus is talking about that is easy and light compared to some other yoke that isn't mentioned that we know is a burdensome, wearisome kind of yoke. A yoke, by the way, is something that you would attach to an animal uh, so that they could, you know, like an ox or something like that, so they could plow a field or tow a cart or something along those lines. The yoke Jesus is talking talking about probably didn't look like this, but that is a yoke. You know, it's the thing you attach to an animal so that the burden is attached to them. Um, Except here, we're not talking about an animal. We're talking about the burden being attached to you. There's another contrast that's happening in this passage. Just before this, in verse 25, if you have your Bibles open, Jesus says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. The contrast is between those who have it all and think they know it all, like, you know, like mostly the religious elites of that time, and all those who are under the burden of the expectations of those leaders. Elsewhere, Jesus says, and you experts of the law, woe to you, because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. There's a little lesson in this for us. Don't put a heavy burden on someone else. In our brokenness, we put a lot of burdens on people. We put a lot of expectations on other people. All that sometimes can just really suck the rest out of a person. Instead of putting burdens on people, the Bible says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Let me kind of give you an example of this from my own life. Growing up, I was never a star student. I was never great in school. I kept my grades throughout elementary and early high school just high enough to maintain sports, right? So that I could actually play in sports. 
But eventually that came to an end my sophomore year where I just completely and utterly failed. And so before the year was even done, I left and dropped out of high school. Now, a little bit later, I actually liked school. Like I wanted to be involved in school. So a little bit later, I decided I would try community college. And I tried, I think, maybe two or three different semesters. And each and every semester, I completely failed. I could never finish a semester. I would be excited, I'd get going with it, and then I would stop showing up about halfway through. And there was this person in my life during that time who would say things like, why do you even try going to school? You're obviously not good at it. You're not going to get better at it. That was a burden that was placed on me. This sense of, you're never going to succeed. You can't overcome this. That feeling of, I'm not going to be good enough. Flash forward several years later, once I came to know Jesus, and I said, wow, Jesus, you are my king. I want to do everything for you. I felt immediately called into ministry, which meant that I needed to have training, which meant that I needed to go to college, which I was terrified to do. And let me tell you, I prayed my way through every assignment in college. And I ended up doing well, just to let you know there's some redemption in this. I dropped out of high school, but I went on for a bachelor's and a master's. But part of that in college for me was that then I was surrounded by people who were saying things like, you can do this. You're going to be okay. You're going to get through this. And then as I began to succeed, they were saying things like, hey, you're actually good at this. Good job. Keep going. Way to go. They didn't put a burden on me. They helped to carry my burden by encouraging me through it. Jesus says, regarding the burdens of the, the experts of the laws, don't take on those burdens. Instead, come be my disciple. The, the word there for learn, come and learn from me, is just the verbal form of the word for disciple, which is a student. Come and be one of my disciples. I'm a humble and gentle teacher. It seems like a pretty nice invitation, right? How many of you are feeling burdened? Do you feel like there's a heavy load strapped to you that just makes everything hard? How many of you need rest in your souls. I think for most of us, we love this invitation, but we also struggle to accept it or to realize how to live in that way. It's an easy yoke that isn't always so easy to take on. For some of us, it's not so easy to take on initially, and for most, it's hard to live out daily. Now, specifically, this yoke is the yoke that takes us from bondage to freedom, which sounds a bit funny to still have a yoke when you're in freedom, but we're still bound to something. Now, in American society, we don't like that. 
We wish to be completely autonomous, to not be bound to anything, but that is nothing more than wishful thinking. We are always bound to something. And if you're going to be bound to something, the something you should be bound to is Jesus. That's the good thing, the good person to be bound to. Now, God has always been in the process of freeing his people from bondage, from slavery. The archetypal story of this in the Bible comes from when God rescued his people from Egypt. They had been slaves in Egypt for about 400 years. They cried out to God. God heard their cry, and he rescued them through Moses. Now, around that time, God tells Moses, Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hands to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the, I am the Lord. God breaks the burden of the yoke of slavery for the Israelites takes them to be his own people and promises them a land that will be their own, a land which later on he says will be a place of rest for them. This story, this experience that the Israelites had and this passage from Exodus are actually kind of a paradigm for understanding so much of what is said in the Bible. But it's also a paradigm for understanding how God works in our own lives. Without Jesus, we are under the yoke, under the slavery of sin and the powers of this world. We are in bondage to them, whether we think we are or not. This is why Paul writes to the Galatian church. He says, and that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But Jesus has set us free from that yoke of slavery. He has redeemed us from slavery and made us his people, heirs to his kingdom. We've gone from being slaves to being heirs. Our promised land is to live a life in the presence of God in a place that's called the heavenly country. Like, this is what the Bible says. Now, if you're listening to this and you haven't taken Jesus up on his offer, his offer to redeem you from slavery, then you are still in bondage to sin and to the powers of this world. But you don't have to be. This invitation is for you. Jesus' beautiful invitation here is open for everyone. But what we see in this passage, right around this passage, is that it's a difficult invitation to accept. Just before this, in verses 18 and 19 of chapter 11, Jesus is talking about John the Baptist. And he says, 
For John came neither eating nor drinking. And they said, he has a demon. And the son of man came eating and drinking. And they said, he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Their hearts were hard. They were ready to reject whatever they saw. It takes humility to turn to Jesus and accept what he offers. But just like what God offered to the Israelites in freeing them from captivity in Egypt, what Jesus has to offer is so good. It's really good. And it leads to good things, even to rest for our souls. Speaking of the Israelites, after God rescued them from Egypt, he took them to Mount Sinai. And for two years, they listened to the instructions of God through Moses on how to live. And after two years, God said, okay, now it's time for you to go into the promised land. So they went up to Kadesh Barnea. They chose 12 spies to go in and see what the land was like on a 40-day journey going up and down through the whole land of Canaan. And the 12 spies, they came back and they're like, this place is great. It's just like what God promised. It's a land full of milk and honey. Just look at the size of these grapes. But 10 of the spies said, "Uh, actually, there's a problem. The land is full of really powerful people. They're too powerful for us. We won't be able to overcome them. We're like insects in their sight. But two of the spies, Caleb and Joshua, they said, no, wait, don't be afraid. God has promised us this land and we will have it. God is with us and he will give us rest in the land. Of course, the people didn't end up going in the land. But listen to what they said. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. They would rather go back to slavery than face the challenges that were before them that God told them they would overcome. God is promising them rest in the land, but they'd rather go back to the burden of slavery. Jesus' invitation here is first and foremost to those who have not yet come to him so that they can enter into his rest and might be relieved from the burdens of being in bondage to the powers of this world. But that's just the beginning of what he's saying. Because entering into the yoke of Jesus is to take on the life of following Jesus and learning to have rest in the soul. Here's the problem for you and I when we read this passage, though, maybe. It's that... If we've already accepted Jesus as, and we're his disciple, and we've taken that yoke upon us, can you always say that you have rest in your soul? 
How many of you are feeling weary or burdened today in this room? I know at least some of you are. Let me tell you uh, about this week for me. This week was just one of those weeks. It was a rough one. It was really busy. Every evening was full. Every day was full. It was probably too much. And it wasn't just that it was busy. It was the type of busyness it was and that each thing that I had to do brought its own kind of level of stress. And I was feeling pretty weary this week. I was feeling like I was carrying a heavy burden. And frankly, a lot of my weeks can be pretty busy, but there was just something about this week that made it a little tougher. I was talking to my wife, Steph, about it. I was like, man, what happened this week? And I think she said something to the effect of, I'm pretty sure you did this to yourself. The whole time, of course, uh, going through this week, I'm thinking about this sermon and the words of Jesus, that his yoke is easy, that his burden is light, and that he offers rest. I could use a little bit of rest. I was talking to one of the elders underneath the port cochere outside this morning. He's like, you're not going to fall asleep during the sermon, are you? (laughs) If I sat down, I might. It could happen. Now, I could look at this week or any other week or whatever circumstances in my life, and I could think to myself, Jesus, you said I would have an easy yoke and a light burden if I followed you. Why then am I so weary and burdened? I think the answer is because I have a tendency to want to go back to Egypt. I stand at the promised land, and Jesus says, enter into my rest. And I look back at Egypt like the Israelites, and I say, wouldn't it be better for me to go back to Egypt? Paul wrote to the Galatian church, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, obviously, I don't really say to myself, it'd be better to go back to Egypt. Never even been there in the first place. But that's obvious. That's obviously the way that I live sometimes. I look back at this week uh, and I think, these were all good things that I was doing. But did I have to do them all? Or are these the things that Jesus wanted me to do? Or did I handle them in the way that Jesus would have handled them? What does it look like to go back to the yoke of slavery in the context of Jesus' invitation of rest for the soul? I think there are a few things here. One, it's working to be loved by God. This is what Paul's talking about in his letter to the Galatians. He's saying, don't go back to the law. Don't try to please God by going back to the law because you can't. That didn't work. That's why Jesus came to set you free from that 
so that you could be fully accepted by God in Christ, in Jesus. There isn't anything that I'm going to do, like God's not going to stop liking me because I don't fully change in all my ways or because I don't, I don't do enough for him. So we can't work to be loved by God. Second, working to be loved by others. If I'm spending more time trying to please others than I am following Jesus, I'm probably not in a very restful place. If I'm trying to secure my identity in pleasing others or looking for their approval, I'm never going to make it. There's never enough approval. If I'm always thinking about how do I please them in order to be happy about myself, that's a place of anxiety and stress and depression. That's not a place of rest. Number three, being the savior or provider for all. Thinking I have to be the one who does everything or fixes everything or takes care of every situation. Now, for me personally, this comes from not wanting to be dependent on anybody. I don't want to depend on people. I want to be independent. That's part of my brokenness because God created his church to be very interdependent with each other. Number four, making things happen for God. Well, I'm not seeing him act. He probably wants that to happen. I could do that. I'll do that for him. I'll take care of that for him. I'm going to make that happen for God. This is like the story of Hagar in the Bible. God promises Abraham a child. His wife is barren. So he goes to sleep with somebody else. Well, that's how I'm going to get the child, right? Look, I got the child. Well, in the book of Galatians, that's what Paul says is the child of slavery. That's not the child of freedom. Number five is proving your worth. Trying to prove to yourself and to others that you're really worth it, that you're really something great. Your worth, your value, is in the fact that God loves you. That's where your worth and your value comes from, not in you being so great around other people. That's a place of ego and of pride. That's the opposite of Jesus, who is gentle and humble in heart. Last one, number six, compensating for wounds. So when I have hurts in my life, and I'm trying to compensate for those things, I'm trying to fill certain holes that I have in my heart with something other than God, it's never going to satisfy and so I'm never going to be in a place of rest. Now, we all face all kinds of circumstances, many of them just completely out of our control, that are a burden for us. But also, so often, I think that the burdens that we carry, we put on ourselves. We take them on ourselves. We take back the heavy burden of slavery because... Even though Jesus' yoke is easy, it's not always easy for us to trust it or to know how to wear it. It's actually hard for us to rest because we always need to try to make our own way in the midst of the brokenness and shame that we experience in life. 
This is another lesson for us in this, to evaluate your motives. When you're feeling heavily burdened in life, and I'm not talking about from those things that are out of your control, sickness and you know, hard circumstances, but when you're heavily burdened in life, in what ways do your motives contribute to the burden? Are you trying to manage God? Are you trying to please other people too much? Are you trying to control circumstances too much? Those kinds of things are what suck the rest right out of our souls. So how do we experience more of this rest in our souls? First of all, let me just clarify that I don't think busyness is necessarily that burden or slavery. I like to be busy. I like to redeem the time that God has given me. I like to do things, and I don't particularly like to not do anything. But it's the mindset and the heart toward the busyness that is the problem. It's the motivation that's the problem. It's striving over all the wrong things that's the problem. The rest that Jesus offers isn't a ceasing of doing things, but it's something that happens internally to us in the midst of our circumstances. It's trusting God enough in the midst of the busyness to experience the shalom, the peace, the rest that he offers. So don't picture rest as margaritas on the beach. Picture rest as Yoda in the midst of an intergalactic battle. He looks pretty peaceful. Sorry, we've been watching Star Wars lately, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and we rewatched some other, uh, anyway, we've been watching Star Wars. At the same time, though, God created us to have rhythms of rest in our lives. That's another lesson for us in this. We have to build those rhythms into our lives. And the rhythms of rest that God created us for are God-centered rests. In other words, vegging out on TV is not really the rest that we need. I'm not completely opposed to it. I do it too. But it's not restful in the ways that we primarily need rest, which is focused on God. Second, Jesus didn't say that life would be easy. In fact, elsewhere, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. And Jesus had hard things to say. Just go back and read the Sermon on the Mount a little bit earlier in Matthew to get a taste of some of those hard things that he said. Following Jesus does not equate to an easy life or easy circumstances. But the yoke of Jesus is easy in the sense that it's a better fit for us than the yoke of this world. And regardless of our circumstances, it's possible to experience rest in our souls. In fact, it's often because of diff difficult circumstances 
that we end up turning to Jesus to find that rest because that's when we're in a time and a place of need where we need it the most. Rest in the soul comes when we lay down our own striving and insecurities and instead we know our identity in Jesus. We don't have to work for God to love us. We don't have to prove our value to other people. The more we understand who we are in Christ, the less we strive for the approval of others. And the more we know that we're already accepted by God through Christ, the less we try to manage our relationship with God. Number two, trust that Jesus is, your, is for your good. The Israelites struggled to trust, that, trust God in the face of their adversity. Jesus said that in this world, you will have trouble. But he also said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. We don't need to strive and struggle to make everything happen. We have to be faithful with what God gives us. Daily, we have to be faithful with what is in front of us but we don't have to manage the outcome. This is what Dallas Willard says. He says, we have to abandon the outcomes to God. Just be faithful with what's in front of you. Trust God to bring about the outcome. And number three, know the presence of Jesus. The promised land was a place of rest for the Israelites But it wasn't so much the land, it was more God's presence within the land that created that rest. While the Israelites were at Mount Sinai, they created a golden calf to worship. And because of that, God said, I'm not going to go with you into the land. You can go into the land, but I'm not going with you. Moses knew that having the land didn't mean anything if God wasn't there with them. So he pleaded with God, and God responded. He said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Knowing God's presence brings that rest. You know, when you have someone around you that you trust, and that just brings some peace of mind or some ease for you. I think about our kids who often have trouble sleeping sometimes, And maybe they get themselves all kind of worked up and they're anxious and they're scared and, you know, the dark is scary and there's some shadow somewhere or something like that. I don't know. They just need the presence of somebody that they trust. So sometimes I'll sleep on the floor or I'll lay down on the floor in the room so that they can fall asleep. They calm down instantly. Once you're in there laying down, they start to calm down. They start to rest a little bit. And pretty soon I'm asleep. (laughs) Pretty soon they're asleep. And then I go back downstairs and I watch Star Wars. (laughs) Basically, the more we are secure in who Jesus is and who we are in relationship to him, And the more we can trust him and the outcomes of what we do, the less we are constantly trying to make a way for ourselves or to perform around other people 
or filling some void in our lives with something other than Jesus. All that is scrambling in our lives. And the scrambling is what the wearisome burden is. It's all the scrambling. When we take the yoke of Jesus and learn from him, he shows us how he would bear our load. And in that place of trust is where we find rest for our souls. A daily rest regardless of our circumstances or our busyness. Psalm 127 is one of my favorite psalms. And I love to quote it to people because I feel like the message of it is so important for us to hear, especially in our society where we're 12 points lower in being well-rested this year. Let me read for you the first half of the psalm. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It's useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. Can't tell you how many times I've stayed up late or gotten up early, both of those things, to try and scramble and do the things that I feel like I need to do when I'm not resting in God and trusting him with the outcomes while being faithful with what's right in front of me. I still struggle with that, but I can tell you I have grown in that area. As I've learned to trust my identity with Jesus, trust that he is out for my good and to recognize his presence in the midst of it, even this week, as hard as it was, every morning I was in scripture and I was worshiping God, trying to find my rest in him. Before that, though, it was a harder thing. So let me go back to my college days again. And in one of my classes in college, the professor had an assignment for us in the room to do at the time where uh, we were going to draw a picture in response to this question. What is the state of your soul? So at that time, I drew this kind of withered, weary, ancient-looking person that was struggling to walk and reaching out for help and was carrying this load on his back that was far bigger than the person itself. That was the weariness, the load that I felt at the time between trying to work my way through school and teaching and family, you know, being newly married and all the things that I was struggling to do. I was working so hard to try and make things happen. And I was bearing the weight of the world myself rather than letting Jesus show me how to carry the burden that he had given, how to bear the load that he had given. Are you scrambling to make things happen? Jesus says, come to me. 
learn from me. Take my yoke. I will give you rest for your souls. I will free you from the burden of having to have it all together or accomplish all the things or thinking that you have to produce all of the outcomes in life. Trust me. Keep your eyes on me and I will give you rest. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, you are good. You're so loving and gracious. I thank you for the rest that you give. And I pray for everyone in this room, everyone who's watching online, all the burdens that are represented there, all the weariness that is represented there, the tiredness, so many different things that each person is facing. You are good, Lord. You know every bit of it. You love and care for these people. Just as you said in the scripture, cast all of your cares upon you because you care for us. Help us, God, to find rest in our souls, the rest that you offer to us, to wear your yoke that is easy and light, and to not put on any other yoke that is a burden to us. You have given us freedom. Help us to live in that freedom every day, trusting in who you are and how good you are. We love you, Lord. Amen. This is how good Jesus is, that he gave of himself completely for all of us so that we might enter into his rest and be able to have that rest in our souls every day. It came down to that moment when he offered himself as a sacrifice on our behalf. He took the burden. He wore the yoke. He bore it for us. His body was broken on our behalf and his blood was poured out so that we could enter into this new covenant not one that is the burden of the law, but one that is freedom and acceptance in Christ by God. So now when we take this bread and this juice, we remember what Jesus has done. We identify ourselves with him so that we can have communion with God and communion with one another. You can go ahead and take communion now.